You are now listening to Fangirl Feminist, Media and Feminism. Also, you have been warned. Spoiler warning! Hello and welcome back to episode 7 of Feminist Fangirl uh, Media and Feminism. As you can see, I'm in a weird space and if you're listening to this on Spotify, Spotify, don't mind me. I'm going to do this really quick before my friends come into my hotel room. But I accidentally deleted my intro, so I got to spit this out really quick. So this podcast is going to be so, so chaotic. But I'm going to get it posted today if it's the last thing that I do. So welcome to episode 7. Today we are talking about feminist themes in BoJack Horseman. And I'm really excited about it. But because this episode is going to be so chaotic. But I'm, I'm sticking to a consistent schedule. Um, I'll probably be doing another episode about BoJack Horseman later. Or a YouTube video about BoJack Horseman. So make sure to stay tuned for that. I've updated my social media. So my TikTok and my YouTube is now Ziggyo Films. That is Z-I-G-G-Y-O-F-I-L. F-I-L-M-S, Ziggyo Films, so make sure to follow those if you want to see more content. My Instagram and Visco is still the same, Z-I-G-G-Y-O-0-O-Ziggyo, so make sure to follow those. And yeah, we are going to get into today's episode. If you're watching this on YouTube, you are going to notice a slight change in backgrounds and everything, but on Spotify, everything should be good. But yeah, I'm going to talk about some feminist themes within BoJack, why I love it so much, and yeah, one of the reasons why I love it so much is it's realism that it brings within the show and it's use of humor and it's use of like gag reels without the show, like throughout the show, sorry. I'm trying to speed run this really quick, but the animation is great. There's a certain level of realism within the animation that I just love because I feel like that reflects kind of BoJack Horseman like as a whole and everything. So it's a great show and I'm very excited to talk about it. Um, the characters are another reason why the show is so good, but the animation is something that really grew, grew on me. So also within the animation, uh, alongside this almost like level of realism within like the backgrounds and certain characters, there's also a use of like a variety of different textures almost to fill in certain characters or to fill in certain backgrounds, which I really appreciate because whilst... There is this huge level of realism within BoJack Horseman that kind of connects us all to certain human conditions and universal feelings. There is also, you know, exaggeration to get across those feelings sometimes, to get across kind of like the awkwardness of life and the extreme feelings that we really do feel. And I think that is almost reflected in the animation style with the use of these varied textures. Like we see BoJack Horseman himself, kind of the main character, as like this like brown watercolor texture which is like really cool to see and yeah so the variety of textures within that almost like realism classic kind of adult cartoon almost style all mixed together I've learned to really grow and appreciate the animation style it's really once it like it's really grown on me and it wasn't like at the start it wasn't something that I had always thought of but near the end especially when I had finished up the show <laughs> it uh I, I don't know, I grew to have a really great appreciation for the animation style. So that is another reason why. It was just so good. And then finally, one of the big points I would say that makes BoJack Horseman so great is its use of characters and the variety of characters and showing how dynamic I think humans are because all of the main characters that we see, they all have flaws and they are all very dynamic characters, which is something that I really appreciate in a TV show or film. 
I don't like static characters and I don't like characters that don't have flaws or almost have like this martyr complex where they in a show or a TV show just seem to can't do anything wrong at all and they always seem to do everything right and save the day or need to be saved and I always hate those kind of characters because that's I feel like it's just not accurate to real life everybody has their flaws everybody has something that I think that they can work on just because I don't it's just how it is every no one's perfect and I think those like those standards are a little bit crazy because I feel like once you start thinking people can be perfect you start placing expectations on people to be perfect and that's just ridiculous because we're all gonna fail at some point that's just that's just who we are you know that's just how life is and so I appreciate Bojack Horseman showing these very dynamic characters that um you know have a lot of likable qualities to them but also don't like I know okay and I'm gonna talk about Princess Caroline here specifically right now so I know that everybody loves Princess Caroline and Princess Caroline's everybody's favorite but I will tell you right now even she is a flawed character I feel like everybody thinks that she is just motherly and caring and that is like the epitome. No, that is not all she is. She is a working woman who has a problem with putting work before everything else, including her fellow women. Like she is not feministic at all. I just want to point that out. She actually kind of attributes to, I think, a lot of problems within Hollywood. And I think that's like an important part to her character because she is so driven and puts her career, you know, first and foremost that she doesn't always think about like the consequences of her actions on other you know fellow women celebrities or almost to Hollywood as a whole or to anything she she does a lot of she does a lot of shady stuff and if she will do something that is shady to put her career first she's gonna do it that's Princess Caroline and I think that is a really important flaw because I think that is really reflective you know reflective of our society I think we are expected to really put work first, especially within capitalism. You know, you're supposed to, you know, have to work hard for your money. But with the class system and classism, it's very hard, especially right now, for somebody to break out of their class. It's like if you're in lower, middle, or high class, once you're in those streams, you're kind of stuck in those streams right now. And then also right now, we are seeing kind of like the slow disappearance of the middle class as kind of elitism, especially within America and Hollywood and kind of the capitalism that's going on there with like the huge companies. Obviously Canada is also a part of it, but I just feel like America is kind of like the main predominant figurehead of all of that kind of ideas, especially to do with capitalism, right? And so <laughs> I don't know how I got on this tangent. Oh, Princess Caroline. And I think that's super reflective of that. I know that I definitely put work sometimes before, you know, my own happiness, others' happiness, my own personal relationships, and that definitely affects Caroline. It affects Princess Caroline and her daughter's relationship later down the line in the show as we see her putting work first and not spending a lot of time with her daughter near the end. She le you know, she learns that, you know, you gotta balance out the work and the life environment, but that is something that she really struggles with, and she also struggled with having to do both domestic and work labor at the same time and overworking herself. So Princess Caroline, love her, but she's not a perfect character. I think the most perfect to a character that a character can get is Diane, but even we, like Diane, she kind of searches for like this empty happiness that I think she thinks is going to be in fame and making something out of herself because she has kind of this thought that 
her trauma that she went through as a kid, you know, with her family was for nothing if she didn't make something of it. So I think she was trying really hard to push in Hollywood, as they call it, because of a shenanigan in season one at Bojack. Uh, technically, it's just like Hollywood, but they call it Hollywood because something happened to uh, the sign. I think almost, I think in the first episode, but I really could be wrong. It's been a hot minute since I've seen season one. So if I'm wrong on that, please don't quote me. I probably am, but I think it happens in the first episode, but the, the D in Hollywood gets stolen. Yeah, so they've got a lot of dynamic characters with a lot of depth to them, and I think that is awesome, and I think that's one of the things that really adds to why BoJack Horseman is so good. So yeah, so moving on to, I guess, Earlier, as I said, the meat and potatoes of this podcast. So, BoJack Horseman is a really cool show because it kind of reflects some feminist themes. Now, they're not anything big, and I wouldn't say they, like, kind of stick through the whole plot. Uh, most of its themes kind of mostly revolve around the human condition, and the main character is through the perspective of not childhood-wise, but currently a male, you know, a privileged man in Hollywood. So it's not necessarily a feminist show, nor do these feminist themes carry out through, but it's really cool to see in BoJack Horseman how they have a couple of, I would say, sub-feminist themes and subplots that kind of like show some ideas of feminism. So that's also one of the reasons why I love BoJack Horseman so much. And it does it in a way where it isn't super aggressive or I would say, hmm, not degra maybe degrading, not degrading, not downgrading. What is it called when, you know, you talk, I guess talking down to someone. I feel like there's a lot of shows, <laughs> She-Hulk, for example. I feel like they take feminism in the wrong approach. And I feel like you can kind of tell when it's written from the perspective of a guy who thinks he knows what feminism is, but doesn't, especially when you're looking through the viewpoint of an intersectional feminist. She-Hulk really rubs me the wrong way in the way that it would approach its feminism. It was all tell, not show, and it just shoves it down your face, and it's so obnoxious, and it's like, at the end of, like, why would I not just watch a feminist documentary? Like, I'm trying to watch She-Hulk here. You don't have to, like, you know, but it's really cool when you can, like, watch a plot within a TV show and have it, like, reflect feminist ideas through what the characters are doing and their actions and, you know, kind of what they learn from the story, in a sense, or what we can learn from the story. And BoJack Horseman does a really good job of that with showing its feminist themes. So there's a few that we're going to talk about. So it kind of discusses parts about single motherhood and domestic labor and how women are expected to do both a career and have domestic labor. And we see that rising out of the 80s due to houses getting more expensive and uh, families needing now to have two incomes rather than just one. And then women were expected to do both the domestic labor, which is the unpaid labor that we see that happens within a household. So that would be like the cooking, the cleaning, the taking care of the kids. So it kind of discusses that as we see, as <laughs> I talked about earlier. I feel like I've been saying that a lot this podcast, as I talked about earlier. But yeah. As I talked about earlier, Princess Caroline becomes a single mother. She is a character in the show. She is an agent working for Hollywood, so that's how she knows Bojack Horseman. She is on and off or is his agent for like the first part of the show, but then later isn't. They they have a like a long-term relationship though. And then at the end of this uh the series, we see her have a kid and we see her struggling with having to maintain both the career expectations, especially with being so high in her career, considering she like owns her own 
companies, you know, she has a lot of people relying on her and she has a lot of expectations on her. Yeah, so balancing the expectation of being a mother and her career, um, and so the expectations of being a mother and all of the roles that come with that, and she really struggles uh, with, you know, her, en <laughs> I would definitely say her energy levels, like she has no free time to herself or anything, so she learns that I don't think that she can balance those two and then ends up getting a nanny, which is also kind of, I think, a stereo you know, type breaker. It's really cool to see that she understands that it's really hard to maintain both and is able to, you know, <laughs> I guess not lighten the load per se, but not force these expectations onto herself. And, you know, she's able to, you know, at the end of season six, have a balance between her career life and her at home life. And she's very happy with where she is at. And she is a single mother. She is slaying the game and good for Princess Caroline. So that's a really cool, you know, feminist subplot in a sense or theme within, sub theme within Bojack Horseman. And even Princess Caroline throughout the show is a very strong independent woman character. And it's awesome and amazing to like see her grow throughout the series. So that is one of the feminist themes that we see within Bojack Horseman. And we also see Themes of sexual reproductive health within a plot line. I forget what season it is in, but sexual reproductive health is really important. And I think it's really awesome to see representation like this because everyone deserves autonomy to their own body. And sexual reproduction, reproductive health includes so many different things, including accessibility to... <clears throat> accessibility to... Oh, I... <laughs> Not, I was gonna say contraband. That is like the word that's popping up in my head. What I mean to say is pregnancy prevention? What? What, you know, the tools, the tools to prevent pregnancy. I am totally blanking on what they're called. What, you know, like the pills and IUD, what is that called? But yeah, there's a lack of accessibility and resources to that in a lot of you know, countries and areas, including America and Canada, there is a lack of education surrounding that. You know, there's a lack of education, especially surrounding consent, and that all has to do with sexual reproductive health and making sure that everybody has choice and autonomy within their own body. And and because we're lacking those resources within certain areas and communities, that is why abortion is necessary in a sense because of the lack of education surrounding, you know, consent and pregnancy prevention as well as the lack of resources to pregnancy prevention. Abortion is a way for women and other individuals and humans, you know, to take away, to take over the rights of their body and to have choice and to have autonomy over their own body when, you know, certain situations occur or any, or something. Very well articulated there, uh, I have to say by myself, by me, you know, wow, so great. So words are hard, but it's cool to see BoJack Horseman tackle that, and they kind of tackle it in a very light and humorous way, but in a way where they still discuss it. So one of the characters, and the best character in my opinion, she's she's not my favorite, but I feel like you can admit that Diane is the best character. So within the show, we see Diane have, and if I get demonetized for using the word abortion, I'm going to be a little upset because we need to be able to talk about these things on public platforms. Otherwise, they're never going to get heard. And I know YouTube can be very sensitive with certain things. So that kind of sucks, especially when, you know, we're trying to talk about feminism and, you know, towards seeing a 
better future where everyone is completely equal and people who have been pushed aside in society in a sense get equitable rights. I totally just heard my be real go off. That's hilarious. I, if you guys heard that, that would also be really funny. But to do that, you know, we need to talk about certain things and we need to bring education. And I think a huge part of feminism is definitely education because I think ignorance is definitely bred from not know, you know, and not knowing things and not learning about things and not growing up with certain environments, right? You learn certain mindsets sometimes. I think I grew up in an, in an environment where I was very open to the LGBTQ and certain things. And that has really, I think, changed my mindset. And I very much see everybody as equal. Like do, do whatever you want to do. You know, we need to just uh, all vibe with each other a little more. So in conclusion about that little feminist rant there, I hope YouTube does not demonetize me for using the word abortion. Anyways, so Diane gets an abortion within the show and so she's working as a ghostwriter right now and I think that what I said about Diane earlier and about like trying to find this fulfillment my dog is interrupting me trying to film my podcast and my camera is dying so I'm so sorry if this episode is going to be a little shorter but I am on a crunch time to film and I am going to get this out on Saturday two weeks we're keeping a tight schedule now see there she goes she is so annoying look at her just running through clack-lacking making noise people on Spotify are going to be so confused you'll have no idea what is going on but yeah back to Diane so she's working as a ghostwriter too doing tweets for celebrities and Facebook posts and, in, you know, because that totally actually happens. And if you think most celebrities did their own social medias, you are probably definitely wrong. I definitely, for a fact, think that Beyonce does not do her own social medias at all. It does not seem like a real human is running those social medias at all. And yeah, most of the time celebrities will get ghostwriters. And that's kind of shown within the show too, because... <laughs> A lot of things I think we crave with celebrities is like this authenticity with them. I think that's why Selena Gomez is really popular right now. She's managed to like cash in on that, especially like right now on that authenticity and relatability that people are kind of craving right now within celebrities and media. And it's just kind of funny that most of the time it's like ghostwriters and it's like not even the actual celebrity. I don't know. Funny stuff. But... She accidentally tweets out that she got an abortion on one of the celebrities' um, Twitters. I'm saying um a lot on this podcast. I'm sorry. I was doing so good not doing this, uh, saying um. But I had to refilm this episode, and I said some pretty dang good stuff in my other filming. So I was kind of upset. But the sound quality in the other one was so bad because I decided to try to film with a microphone on my gaming earbuds because I thought that it would sound better than just like the mic, but I gotta get a mic that can plug into my camera here so that I can have better sound quality. Cause I only have a USB microphone right now and trying to record laptop and computer and then syncing it up. It's too hard for me. I know some people can do it. Good for you. I'm so, I'm so proud of you. I just can, it's always like, it's always like a beat too late, you know, like a frame too late. And that just really bugs me. I can't seem to perfectly. So anyways, it causes like this media frenzy. And I think like, the main huge emphasis on it is kind of this dichotomy between pro-life and pro-choice when that's kind of not even a necessary argument or it's kind of an net argument in a sense because what we are fighting for is, you know, sexual reproductive health and for people to have autonomy over their own body 
I don't think like anybody is actually not pro-life. I don't think anybody is not pro-choice. Also, so many people have different things on their consideration of what a human is and what a human soul is. Some people think of fetuses, some people don't. There's a lot of different cultural viewpoints. So like the pro-life and the pro-choice argument is definitely very prevalent in America, I think because of the like religious ties within <laughs> the government and semi in Canada, but it's, you know, especially with the overruling of Roe v. Wade, very heavy issue right now in America. And they kind of talk about the media frenzy uh, that comes with kind of this debate and how celebrities kind of jump on it and maybe don't always give the most filtered opinion and what happens when people kind of jump on like these trains without uh, fully, fully understanding what is going on, especially with the celebrity that then chooses to like kind of go along the storyline that she got an abortion when she didn't and how she handles that and then how the media handles that. So that is a really cool plot line within Bojack Horseman too. And then overall, there's a lot of strong and dynamic women characters, which we love to see. We don't see that. I don't think too often in Adult animation, oftentimes they are just kind of atoned to that motherly caring role in a sense. So it's really cool to see those strong female characters within Bojack Horseman. But yeah, and then also they touch on domestic violence within the show as well between Gina, a character who is a fellow celebrity alongside Bojack Horseman when they are on set on a drama film. And they kind of have relations between each other and then Bojack ends up choking her on set which is uh, intimate partner violence and domestic violence and it kind of discusses the consequences and how women mostly face the consequences of that even just feeling like they can't talk about it and it kind of shows why women feel like they don't always feel open to be able to talk about those certain things because we see a lot of victim blaming especially with domestic violence and certain scenarios like that so Gina within the show doesn't want to openly talk about it because Bojack is a fellow co-worker and a fellow co-star and she's scared that if she talks about it and stuff it's going to get back to her like back on her and she's going to get the reputa reputation that she's hard to deal with on set and she had just you know started breaking out as an up-and-coming career um, actress so she feels scared to speak out about that and so she doesn't and then because she has this undealt with trauma and it's really hard for her to like be on set and do certain things because of what Bojack did and so he we see her not like we see Bojack not only like not getting consequences even though he was the perpetrator and was the one abusing his power and abusing the patriarchy in a situation where <clears throat> he like a lot of people kind of let him and one of those people being kind of Princess Caroline she wasn't she didn't jump in to stop him right away. Neither did, you know, these characters are very flawed. We see they're kind of like a part of these systems. And it's really cool to see Bojack Horseman tackle these systems, you know, within the show. And yeah, so Bojack, the perpetrator, has no consequences. And then we see Gina being scared of suffering the consequences of speaking out. So she doesn't speak out, but then suffers anyways, because she has to carry that trauma with her. And she hasn't really told anybody. And Bojack kind of gets to walk away so it's a huge reflection on that as well so I would say like those are kind of the big primary feminist sub themes within Bojack Horseman and this has been so fun talking about Bojack Horseman it is such a great show I will probably talk about it again on this channel whether it's on 
the podcast, so on Spotify too, or if you want to check out my YouTube channel, I'm going to start doing some film and TV analysis. And once again, that is Ziggyo Films. You know, we did a little bit of a change, but yeah, BoJack Horseman, it's a, it's a great show. I would highly recommend that everybody watches it, even if you haven't seen it. And I'm sorry if this podcast seemed a little chaotic today. I really wanted to get it out on Saturday, but I had a little bit of a crunch time for filming because once again, I filmed earlier, but the you know, the audio was completely kaput, so I gotta, had to refilm, and I'm really mad because I said some awesome things in that other one, but maybe, uh, maybe I'll be super revelationally in two weeks, so yeah, keep following like this, and, uh, check me out in two weeks, where we'll come out with episode eight of Feminist Fangirl on Saturday, and I hope you guys have a good rest of your day, and I hope that you enjoyed this podcast, and if you didn't, that's okay. Everybody has their own cup of tea. And yeah, this was uh this was fun, a little chaotic today.